0: Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. Today we're talking with Stephanie Bradley Fryer, a lawyer and cattle producer from both Stamford, Texas and Chattanooga, Oklahoma, who also happens to be a fifth generation landowner. She'll be telling you more about how she makes it work splitting her time between two places and how she's established her place as a woman in both egg and law. So here we go with Stephanie Bradley Fryer. We are here in Stanford, Texas, with Stephanie Bradley Fryer. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be talking to you today and for you to be visiting my hometown here in Stanford. It's been so much fun. I love Good. Stanford. Good. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about this. This is your hometown. Yes. What was it like growing up in Stanford?
1: Well, you know, it's a small town. I graduated with 28 people, so not a lot. I actually started um, school in Abilene, so it was a big transition to come from a 5A Texas school down to a 2A school, but everyone was so welcoming and great, and I was an ag girl in Abilene, you know, the bigger town around here, and when I came to Stanford, A lot more people shared my interest. I loved a stock show and that sort of thing. So it was very welcoming and fun and a lot of things to do, a lot of things out in the country, hunting, fishing, that kind of stuff, and then just
0: being on my family's farm. So it was was pretty great. Awesome. So you grew up on the farm and you have actually been very involved in ag your whole Mm -hmm. life.
1: So my grandparents farmed cotton, wheat, and they had commercial cattle. They've since uh, semi-retired from farming. We rent out all the cotton land, but we still have wheat and we still have the cattle. And at 80 and 70-some-odd years old, they're still actively involved. Uh, My granny was actually or has been a very strong role model for me because she worked. She quit her job in town at the, she worked at the bank as a teller, and she started farming with my granddad when he got, when he expanded his farm a long time ago, which at that time was semi-unheard of, and my mom farmed alongside with my grandparents as well, and so then when I came along, I'm an only child and an only grandchild and a girl, and I was expected to get out there and you know, lift sacks of feed and feed, you know, cattle and fill up cotton uh, planters. And so it it was pretty great to grow up that way. I didn't realize that at the time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I wanted to go to town and hang out at the pool, that sort of thing. And, but looking back, it's really um, helped me along the way in life to achieve the goals that I've wanted to achieve thus far. So yeah, how have these experiences shaped you? So, you know, I was, I had a lot of responsibility, you know, and you hear a lot of farm kids say that, but it's true. It's really true. You know, I lived by the, you don't get to eat until, you know, your calves or your show projects have eaten. I got up in the mornings and washed steers and, I was expected to work hard and it was a family business and it took all of us and whether it was going to town to get parts so that, you know, everyone else could stay on the tractor or driving a tractor myself or hauling water. This is what's something we have to do out here where it doesn't rain very much. (laughs) You know, it really instilled a hard work ethic. It also taught me how to deal with people and that, you know, is a skill that's invaluable. You know, it's for me right now with my career and learning uh or learning about how a crop is grown and how equipment works and now that I work, my clients are a lot of ag producers, I can actually have a conversation with them about that. So at the time I just thought, oh, everybody knows this stuff and now since I'm a lawyer, not a lot of lawyers know that kind of thing. So
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your career path and what led you to being a lawyer. Okay. So I never thought
1: that I was going to be a lawyer. It wasn't something that I grew up thinking I wanted to do. Never, I mean, not that I was against it, but never thought that I would do it. So I finished college and I got a job with USDA Farm Service Agency And went through a management trainee program, and I was the county executive director in Floyd County, Texas, which is a a pretty large, ag-diverse county. We have cotton, which is, you know, standard for the state, but we also had pumpkins and Indian corn, and it was very diverse, Uh, So I went to work there, and I worked there for five years and had a lot of great experiences, met a lot of great people, and it really kind of drove me to see a need for an attorney that understood farming, ranching, rural communities. And I'm not saying that there aren't some lawyers like that around. I just saw that there was still a need for one, and I wanted to be able to be that person because I care a lot about farmers, ranchers, that's my family. So, um, so I went to law school and learned how to do all those things that I thought
0: that they needed. So talk a little bit about in what is typically a male dominated industry, especially the ag industry, but you could maybe say that about law as well. What has it been like for you as a female in these roles?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, I never saw any type of gender role growing up. Mm -hmm. My grandmother worked alongside my granddad. They were equal business partners. My mom was in there working with them. I was expected to do anything and everything that a son would have done. So I never saw a gender role. I grew up going to the cotton gin and visiting with, you know, men. And I just never saw it as you know i wasn't supposed to be there i never was treated that way and while ag is is dominated by men i feel like agriculture is unique because and whether it's a man or a woman in agriculture they expect a lot out of you but once they figure out you've got you've got it they're accepting of you and they don't care girl guy whatever has been my experience and I saw that I was 24 when I went to Florida to be the county executive director um, with Farm Service Agency there, and you know they wanted to know that I I knew my stuff, but they respected me because I worked hard, I stood by my word, I you know was trustworthy, and I wanted to do good by them, and that's all people in agriculture I feel really are seeking, or it has been my experience, I really just never felt like I wasn't supposed to be there and was really never treated like I wasn't supposed to be there because if I ever got that, you know, inkling, I just proved that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And that's all, in my experience, that's what you have to do in ag. Just prove that you've got what it takes and it, you know, you're accepted. Now, since I've been out of law school and practicing, I feel like I have seen more. uh, I don't want to use, I guess I would say challenges when dealing with other attorneys or people come in the office and they don't. Know that I'm a lawyer. They assume that I'm a secretary in the office, which there's nothing wrong with being a secretary, but that's just not my job. And so, it's surprising to me that people assume that you're not in a certain role because of your gender. Um, and then it's it can be difficult when you say go to a hearing or a deposition, and other attorneys think that they can push you around because I'm still a young girl. But what I found is it's the same as I developed those skills in agriculture, show them you're supposed to be there and that you know everything backwards and forwards and probably better than they do. So while you shouldn't have to outwork them, just outwork them
0: and do what you know how to do and it works out. That's awesome. So On top of that, any other advice you would have for uh, women thinking about going into the ag industry? I think it's
1: important
0: to ask questions and educate yourself.
1: If there's, you know, I grew up on a farm, so there's certain things that I know about on a farm. We're dryland farmers out here. We don't have any irrigation. So when I went to work with USDA, I had to learn about farmers who irrigate, and I knew nothing about it. So I asked one of my county committeemen, hey, I want to go out. I want to see how this works. Can you tell me, um, you know, how does that change your inputs? Just different questions. So educating yourself and admitting when you don't know something. And I feel like people appreciate you being inquisitive. So just educate yourself. And find a, find a role, find something that you're really passionate about, and it makes it easy to do that. And I guess I've said this several times, just know that you are supposed to be there and prove why you're supposed to be there. And it's because you're smart and you're capable and you bring something different to the table, different perspective, different ideas. And as long as you do that, I think that you can find that it works out. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your granny mm-hmm. was a great role model mm-hmm. to you. Have you had some other mentors along the way just to kind of come alongside you and help? Oh, definitely.
1: And, you know, not just female um, mentors. I've had great people that I've worked with, you know, from ag teachers. I was involved in FFA and 4-H growing up. And then not only the teachers and the advisors, but also, you um, mothers and fathers who helped me along the way, getting projects ready. And I will say that some of those people that I can think of, they always expected a lot of me also. And it was just no excuse to not get something done. And they also knew I could do it. And looking back, I would get, you know, upset, like, well, do they just think like, why is, you know, why is so-and-so not out here doing, washing 12 head of calves? But they asked me to do it because they knew I could do it. So looking back, it was a compliment. And I've also had the opportunity, you know, working with USDA and working heavily with farmers and FSA is at the county level, you have a county committee system and those county committeemen and women took me under their wing and really helped me. Through my first career. So that was um, really helpful. Had the opportunity to go to D.C. and work with some of those farmers. And so it was really great. Um, I also worked at Texas Department of Ag. And worked with some of the assistant commissioners there. And just really gave me opportunities. And, you know, those role models showing, you know, just show up, learn things. And just giving me those opportunities. There's also... um, I showed cattle growing up, and I actually showed several different breeds of cattle, and steers and heifers. But I started showing Texas Longhorn cattle, and so that's kind of a unique thing that not a lot of people did. But I met some very interesting people through that um, that organization, and one of the men, uh, he's a very successful businessman in Fort Worth, and the generosity that he gives back to kids. And just the community in general through different charities, it makes you want to be able to be in a position, whatever it is, whether it's monetary or um, your time, it's it's pretty inspirational. So, you know, kind of all over the place and not a specific person that I could mention,
0: just a lot of people lifting me up along the way. Awesome. And is that something I know for me, those people who have poured into me, I'm like, how can I thank you? And they're like, just pay it forward. Right. And so do you feel like you have a great opportunity to do that here?
1: Yeah. And I um, I judge some Longhorn shows and it's, it's really rewarding, especially when you judge a youth show and kids come up to you and they want to ask you questions. How could they do better? And just... And being a positive role model just with achieving goals through my education and through my career, and I just went and judged, I've, I, well, I've judged a speech contest, um, so little things like that, and just leading by example is one way that I try to pay it forward, because you just don't realize how many eyes are on you until... You go to something, a function like that, and you think, wow, I have a lot of responsibility to hold myself in a certain way and continue to do good things because I have all these little eyes on me. But I do. I like um, working through like stock show programs to try to give back. And generally, you know, with my time, whether it's judging or helping set up or things like that. And I really enjoy that too. So
0: That's awesome. So did you ever think that you would come back to Stanford and live and work here?
1: No. No. (laughs) I thought, I'm going to go, you know, anywhere and everywhere and travel. And, you know, I had told my family, well, if I make enough money, I can come back whenever I want to. You know, (laughs) it's not that I didn't want to be here. It's just I wanted to go and do big things. And it wasn't until later after college that I realized you could do big things in a small town. And so I, um, I never thought I'd be back in Stanford. You know, I worked outside of Lubbock initially and when the opportunity, uh, presented itself to come back here after I'd finished law school, it just really just fell right into place because I get to work with farmers, ranchers, rural property owners, the exact clientele that I want to be able to work with, and they have complex, interesting issues that I think I have a unique perspective to help them handle. And I think a better perspective than if they went to, you know, a large law firm that didn't have ag experience. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't rewarding because they are some of the most gracious, forgiving um people that you could work with and they always thank you and that goes along that goes a long way when you know you're appreciated in a
0: community absolutely Well, now that you are married, Mm -hmm. your husband is actually a rancher in Oklahoma, which I mean, to help our viewers understand is how far is that from here? So from here where we're at and where the place is in
1: Oklahoma, it's about two and a half hours. I could tell you the miles, but in Texas, we generally talk in hours, (laughs) not miles. I think it's like 150, 160 miles, but I know it in hours and I can get there in about two and a half. Okay.
0: So you also have an important role on the ranch, too.
1: Yeah, so my husband started raising cattle before we were together and began his herd before I got there, but it's a true partnership between the two of us as far as making decisions. He, It's his business. Um, I have my law business, but just like my grandparents operated, any major decision, we discuss it whether it's a breeding decision, initially he had all commercial cattle and we've started raising more registered cattle. Uh, we have some cattle that we take to shows and exhibit them and sell them for seed stock production now. And so when I go home on the weekends or go back to Oklahoma, I try to help as much as I can as, and I'm ready. I'm ready for like that physical work because mm-hmm. I've been sitting behind a desk, you know, all week. And it's just the two of us. We don't have any other employees, so he usually has a list for me when I get there. (laughs) And I also try to help with um, the things that I do know that I'm good at and that he really doesn't want to do as far as bookkeeping and now with registrations with registered cattle and just some regular old data keeping that um, I think has been very useful for us to make our ranch even better. And so it's, we're pretty proud the place where we run our cattle. It's, he's the, my husband is the fourth generation to be there. My family's fifth generation here in Texas. So it's pretty important for us. We've had to make a lot of sacrifices, just like the drive I make um, every Friday and every Monday morning, I get up early in the morning and come back. So it's a lot of sacrifice, but it's, it's worth it because keeping agriculture alive in the future and the family farm is something that he and I are both very passionate about.
0: Great. And do you feel like because you're able to do that, it ke- gives you a great perspective as a lawyer as well? Oh, definitely. You know, being
1: a lawyer, you don't just have to know the law. You also have to know how the facts of a situation apply to the law. And another lawyer's gonna hear that on here and they think, oh, that's you know, so law school or so, but it's really the truth. You can have all the law in the world and the same law that applies to someone who has a business in Fort Worth, you know, selling shoes. That same law applies to a cattle rancher selling calves just in a different fat pattern. So just the fact that I understand the process of different ag industries and even if it's cattle ranching, you know, raising livestock in general and why something would be a problem versus why that's not as big of a problem to farming issues. Banking issues that come up with farmers, um, that sort of thing, I feel like it really sets me apart and really helps me provide a quality service to my client. Because, like I said, you can go spend a lot of money uh, on a lawyer in Dallas and they may be really good at whatever type of industry that they're comfortable with. But the fact that I understand why it's important that you lost a calf and how that affects your bottom line, it makes a difference. And we do, people in ag, we kind of speak our own language. So, you know, knowing the lingo helps too, to connect, (laughs) to, you know, connect with your clients. And then, you know, applying the knowledge of, you know, all the facts of a certain situation and being able to articulate it and Go in front of a judge or discuss it with an opposing counsel. And I guess that comes back to show them you're supposed to be there, show them you know what's going on. And I think sometimes, you know, looks can be deceiving. You know, I know they can't see me on the podcast, but I'm, you know, pretty petite young girl And I think I get underestimated sometimes, uh, and then when I open my mouth, that's when I really like to show them, oh, she knows something. So Uh all of those experiences, um, from actual ag process to being around
0: agriculture in general, it just has really shaped my abilities. That's great. So share with us a little bit about why you're passionate about rural America, well, I think, you know, I mentioned it before that
1: I'm a fifth generation landowner in Texas. My husband is a fourth generation rancher in Oklahoma. And it's very important to us, not just the lifestyle, because it sounds great. You live out in the wide open spaces, but really the, you know, you hear this, I guess, many different times, feeding the world and taking care of our nation. And it. You know, you hear that so much and it maybe gets old, but it really is something that for myself is very important because we're a food secure um, nation because of the small actions that people like my husband, my grandparents have made. Uh, I also think that sometimes people in rural America miss out on some of the services that those in larger communities take for granted. And having, you know, a lawyer that's, you know, a good lawyer that understands your issues on the square downtown in a rural, uh, in a rural town, it's important for people to have those services. And it's difficult for a young professional to take that plunge And come back to Stanford when you're facing things like student loans. And, man, I could go to downtown Dallas and, you know, make six figures or whatever it is. But the fact that there's a need and I feel like someone like me fits the mold to meet that need for having young professionals or just professionals in general in rural America so I just, you see all these towns just wither away, and it's so sad because there's so many benefits to being in a rural community, whether it's, you know, an, in eighth grade, it's a tough time for a girl to move to a new town, and that's when I started school in Stanford, and the community was so welcoming probably totally turned around my attitude and my self-esteem at a very critical time so that sense of community that you might not get some somewhere else the opportunities for young people in a in a small town you might think that there's not anything but you know if you are raising a family in a small town you have your child has the opportunity to be in every sport every um club whatever it is the possibilities are just boundless. And I think that you need people with strong values that come from areas like this and have been involved in different things for the future of the whole United States. So I, I want to do my small part to make sure that we can preserve places like Stanford, places like Chattanooga, Oklahoma, which is where my husband is from, because it really is building the backbone for everyone not
0: just those of us in a in the small community itself absolutely and talk a little bit about the important role that ag plays in our rural communities and in the future of rural america well you
1: know in historically probably almost everyone in a rural community was involved in agriculture in some way whether they were an actual farmer or they were to the bank that all the loans they made were for financing farm operations and so today a huge portion of the employment in rural communities and a place like Stanford are ag type jobs, whether it is an actual farming job or some type of industry that is connected to agriculture. So I think that that still holds true as far as make, you have to have jobs for people to be able to survive and live in an area. So in the past, that was Obviously, ag played an important role in that, and it will continue as long as people are able to farm and ranch in these areas. And I think in the future, it agriculture just encompasses so many different things outside of just what you think of a farmer or a rancher tending to a field or a herd of cattle. It's also technology, and I think rural America is – has great opportunities with, you know, we can get Wi-Fi out at our, you know, the ranch house in Oklahoma and I can do anything from there. You know, I can work from home doing my legal work. It's not, you know, you can get on the road and do anything and businesses can see that there's lower overhead to start companies in a place like Stanford. Um, And as long as there's, Places for people to live and jobs for people to have, and the cost of living is so much better in a in a rural in a rural community. And I think that with technology in general, jobs um, in agriculture, or for say an instance like my husband and I, where he ranches full time and I have the job in town opportunities like that where more people are willing to come home to these rural communities because if you're a couple like my husband and I where I'm you know I'm meant to work I don't and it's just my that's my mentality I want to go to work every day and have a career and so in the past that wouldn't be possible in a rural community but now that there's internet connections and you can get on the road and go anywhere, Uh, that provides a lot of opportunities for other industries. So whether it's the husband or wife that wants to come back and take over the farm, there's other opportunities for their spouse. And we all know that that spouse can make a lot of the decisions, you know, you could really want to come back and live somewhere. But if hubby doesn't want to, you're not going to be able to come back and take over the farm. So I think I see technology and agriculture and that intersection really expanding the future of rural opportunities.
0: Yeah. And it's exciting to think about I The next 10 years, I think are going to be amazing to see what happens in that area.
1: Well, and I, I mean, this is kind of maybe not on the same s- subject, but similarly, I think people are surprised at how far I'll travel to do legal work. And, you know, just the fact that I drive on the, you know, to get back to the ranch every weekend. But we are in such a mobile society, it provides so many opportunities for a lawyer like myself to have a hearing in Baylor County and then go to Wise County the next week. And it's all about the clients and what clients you're serving. And so we'll go all over the place. And I'm actually going to Cat Springs, Texas on Monday to provide an estate planning seminar. And so... The mobility of the world today is pretty amazing. So,
0: yeah, it's fun to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. How can people stay in touch with what you have going on?
1: Well, um, so I'm on social media. My Twitter account is StephBrad07. Um, and so you can tweet me on there. Um, I also have an Instagram at Steph 07 and so I like to post pictures of my adventures down the road and what we do um, at my family's farm and then with my husband and I and then some various you know fun times I get to have as being a lawyer so check it out and you might find something you like on there. Awesome
0: thank you so much. All
1: right thank you so much.
0: Well, what a great conversation between splitting her time between two homes and jobs and everything she's involved in through both ag and law. Stephanie is setting an amazing example, and I love how her background and experience gives her a very unique perspective as an ag lawyer. She is a role model in every way, and we loved having her share her story. So thanks for being on the podcast, Stephanie, and thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week. Have a great day, everybody.